All right, my friends, welcome back to Your Bible Book by Book. I am Pastor Luke Dunn, and I'm going to guide you through uh, understanding the book of Leviticus uh, today as we get started here. We uh, have a book in that probably, I assume, um, you've been hesitant to read, uh, maybe have not been uh, really encouraged to read, um, and if you have tried to read it or started to read it, you might uh, um, have had a hard time understanding um, how it applies to your life. And uh, so it's, a, it's one of those books that is um, widely neglected and often misunderstood um, in the church um, because of the fact that we have um, purity and holiness and righteousness and salvation through Jesus. And the Bible um, in the New Testament gives us very clear instruction that we are saved by grace uh, through faith, not by works. And so when you read a, a book like Leviticus that is full of rules and regulations and, and laws and um, um, purity um, rituals and things like that, you, you think, well, that doesn't really uh, pertain to me. Um, and so we kind of just flip past that and... Uh, um, we tend to not want to read it. Um, but uh, I want to tell you that it, there is a huge um, meaning uh, that Leviticus helps us to understand a, a very important lesson that it uh, teaches. Um, so let's get uh, started here with just some basic understanding of what the book of Leviticus is really about. Uh, the, the name Leviticus means pertaining to the Levites, um, which is a name that was given to it later on. Um, originally, uh, the book was most likely uh, very um, strongly connected to the book of Exodus. In fact, they, they may not have really made much of a distinction between uh, Exodus and Leviticus. As you read through Exodus and you see all the detail given in the last few chapters about um, all the elements of the tabernacle, and all the dimensions of uh, what that is supposed to be, um, then it flows really um, very clearly into the book of Leviticus, which gives all the, the rules and regulations for how the priests and the Levites uh, were supposed to function within the tabernacle. Let me explain two things real quick. One is the tabernacle versus the temple. Um, the tabernacle was the temporary uh, tent um, that functioned as uh, the, the place of worship, the place of sacrifice for the Israelites um, until such a time as God would allow them to build a permanent temple. And then, then the temple was built by Solomon um, some 400 uh, years after uh, Moses. Uh, so for 400, maybe a little bit more than that, 400 years or so, uh, they functioned in a temporary tabernacle. They could move it around. Uh, they could put it up where they needed to, especially in the, the wilderness wanderings. Uh, that was important uh, for those 40 years. They would take it down um, and then put it back up wherever God would direct them. Um, but then for 400 years, they were uh, doing their, their worship, their sacrifices um, at the tabernacle um, until it became permanent um, in Jerusalem as the temple site. Um, the other thing is that uh, people often question or wonder or don't uh, know or understand um, the difference between a priest and a Levite. So the, the Levite is the entire 
tribe of Levi, um, and, and all the Levites were servants in the temple. Um, but a priest was specifically a direct descendant of Aaron. So Aaron's a Levite. Um, he's in the tribe of Levi, but he, his family line and only his family line could serve as priests. Those are the ones who could be the high priest. They could enter the Holy of Holies once a year for the Day of Atonement. They could offer sacrifices, and they had a, a very unique and specific job um, within the temple. So um, all priests are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. And so in the story uh, that Jesus tells about the Good Samaritan, um, that's the distinction that he makes when he says, here's a, a guy who was robbed and left for dead alongside the road and passes by uh, a priest and uh, he, he crosses the road so he doesn't have to defile himself by touching this unclean person. And then later on, a Levite walks by. Well, a Levite was uh, somebody who was not uh, a descendant of Aaron, but he was still a servant in the temple. Um, and so that, that's the distinction that we have of priests and Levites. And, and the book of Leviticus is uh, the rules and regulations for uh, the priests and Levites and how they serve and, and uh, all the purity laws and um, all the eating laws, all the moral laws, all the rituals, all the sacrifices, um, and the festivals that they would celebrate. Um, so the original um, name of the book uh, would have been, uh, and I probably won't say this correctly, um, but it's uh, Way Yigra, Way Yigra. <laughs> um, and it means literally uh, he called. And, and again, for a lot of the books of the Bible, uh, they were originally named for the first word that appears in the book. And that, that's the first name or first word that appears in the book, uh, Wayigra. And uh, so what happens is that um, in this book, we see that the main theme um, is holiness. Uh, that's, that is, if it, if it could be renamed um, for what the book is really about, it probably should be something along the lines of um, holy requirements or, or holy standards or holy God or something uh, along those lines. The, the main verse um, is Leviticus uh, 11, 44, 45. It says, be holy um, as I am holy. And that, that um, sentence, that term, that verse is uh, repeated several times, about five times in the book of Leviticus and then several more times throughout the Bible, including in the New Testament. And so um, what you have is to try to understand uh, what holiness is. What does it mean to be holy? Um, so everything that you see in Leviticus is pointing to uh, two things. One is the holiness of God, that he is set apart, that he is morally perfect, that he is pure, um, that there is nothing dark in him, there's no sin in him, there's nothing that's unclean uh, in him, in his character, in his nature, nothing about him that is wrong, nothing that's limited, um, that he is completely, utterly um, holy. And so he is calling, in order for uh, people to have a relationship with him as a holy God, for people to be holy as well. And then he's making a way for them uh, to be holy. So he's, he's asking, and not really asking, he's commanding, uh, that his people, the Israelites, that they would also be holy. 
that they need to have um, the standards of perfection um, within their lives. And so how do they do that? Um, they, they, they begin with uh, purity, uh, that they need to be pure. And so um, he calls them into uh, very specific rules and regulations for uh, what we would say is outward purity or outward cleanliness. Um, which is very interesting uh, because before there was any understanding of um, germs or um, anything that would be considered bacteria, anything like that, um, God begins to give his people uh, specific laws um, about how to um, eat, how to wash, uh, how to be clean, and, and, um, and basically... Uh, preserves uh, a certain uh, degree or actually creates a, a degree of hygiene um, and, and uh, food um, laws that is going to protect his people. Um, and, and I'm sure there was no real understanding of, um, among the Israelites at that time uh, that these things were for uh, their benefit. But uh, you see that it's embedded in um, the rules and regulations of God's people. And it, could he have said, um, hey, there are these little things that, are that you can't see. They're microscopic. Um, they're germs. They're, they're living things that can harm you. So this is why I want you to do this and that and clean, uh, wash everything, purify things with water and, um, and, and isolate, you know, things that are infectious and, um, and those kinds of things. He could have said that, I'm sure. But um, what he did instead was he, he gave them very particular rules and regulations about how to uh, be clean. Um, and so they were set apart um, in, in purity in a way that no one else in the world uh, was. Um, and then he gives moral laws, how to treat one another and, and how to, when you do sin, how to be restored through sacrifices um, that uh, sin requires uh, a price to be paid for it, and the price was blood. And so they had to offer certain sacrifices um, in order to find um, their way back into right relationship with God. And then there were uh, annual festivals. So they had a, a continual um, pattern um, that they would live out, um, and, and it would remind them of, who God is and his activity and bring them back into, you know, this uh, right relationship with him that, you know, he has done these things in the past and he is faithful to do them in the future. And we need to be reminded of his power and uh, his grace that's been given to us and, and how um, on a regular basis um, we need to have a, a right relationship with God. And so there were daily sacrifices that were given. There were weekly sacrifices given and there were um, annual sacrifices given um, that they, they were always um, involved with. And so this gave them um, a continual um, pattern of how to have right relationship with God. Um, so the central story in uh, Leviticus, uh, at least in, in my own opinion, my mind, is from uh, Leviticus chapter 10, and it is the story of uh, Nadab and Abihu, who were the, the sons of Aaron, 
um, who, after they had been purified and consecrated um, and set apart for God in service, um, they decided, okay, and here's what it says in chapter 10, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, took their censers, um, these were um, for offering fire adding, or an incense, uh, they took their censers, put fire in them, and added incense, and they offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, contrary to his command. So fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they were, and they died uh, before the Lord. And so what you see in that story, and then it goes on and talks about uh, the fact that Aaron himself is commanded not to mourn their death, that the rest of um, the Israelite community can grieve and mourn, but Aaron and his other sons, uh, the priests, were not uh, allowed to, to mourn um, because God said that he would be regarded as holy um, and be highly respected among his people. Um, and so he, what is happening in that story is that God is revealing um, just how uh, high of a standard uh, it is, and how almost really impossible it is to achieve perfection uh, before God, uh, that he is so holy um, that uh, he cannot be approached um, other than the way that he has uh, told us he can be approached, other than the way that he has commanded that we must approach him. We don't get to come to God um, in any way that we want. We come to God according to his uh, standard, his rule, his uh, way. And what, um, why I believe that's the central um, story and theme of Leviticus is because it points to, uh, in the New Testament, the fact that Jesus is the way uh, into a right relationship with God. So John uh, 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Um, and we might have all kinds of other ideas uh, about how we can relate to God, but he has declared uh, that he is only going to be uh, approached in, in, through the name of his son Jesus and through his blood that's been sacrificed. Remember, Leviticus tells us that um, it is only by blood that uh, the price of sin is, is paid for and forgiven. Um, and so God is pointing forward to the fact that there's going to be uh, one sacrifice given that's going to pay for all sin for all time um, on the cross. That's Jesus Christ. So that if you call in the name of Jesus, you will certainly uh, be saved. But there's no other way. There's no other um, rule that you can follow. There's no other, no other moral that you can you know attribute to your life or, or standard that you can say, well, I'm going to live by a certain standard and that, you know, God will accept me uh, based on that. Or somehow, you know, I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, me and God have an understanding, um, trying to almost say, well, you know, I don't need to follow, you know, what the Bible says. I, I'm going to have a relationship with God in my own way. Um, Leviticus points forward to um, the, the fact of Jesus, which is that um, even though grace is, uh, widely, you know, uh, proclaimed and in uh, in the wonderful, you know, open door to a right relationship with God, it is also very exclusive. It is the exclusivity of Jesus alone 
um, that allows us to have uh, what is called and what is referred to as holiness. Um, and so it is grace through Jesus uh, that makes us, you know, acceptable before God. Now, the, the second uh, part of that is that while we have this uh, wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus by a simple faith that I just receive what he did for me and, and I accept that into my life and now I'm, I'm accepted uh, on his behalf uh, and I'm a new creation in Christ and, and uh, uh, I am uh, given uh, his righteousness and my sin was placed on, on him on the cross. Uh, so this wonderful transfer. Now, the other part of, of being a, a believer is that um, while I have salvation, I also um, need sanctification. Uh, sanctification is uh, largely what Leviticus also points to, that there's a process of obedience. There's a process of uh, accepting um, all that God has said and uh, living in a right relationship with him through following his word and, and his will. And so um, th- it was very difficult for the uh, Israelites. They, they had, um, you know, in, in a lot of ways, you know, I say it's very difficult. In some ways it may have been almost easier. Um, they had specific rules and regulations that they could follow and that they knew that if they did that, um, that they could find, you know, cleansing and purity and, and holiness and righteousness. Um, and so it was difficult because the standards were, um, were high standards. You know, they, ha- they had to uh, offer these sacrifices. They had to do it in a particular way um, according to God's rules and regulations. Um, but And for us, it, it's, it's simpler in one way because it's only through the, the name and the blood of Jesus, and I accept that by faith. In another way, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say ambiguous, but um, it, it is a little bit more ambiguous. There, there's um, a following after God in a relationship that uh, I don't have all the same, you know, um, structures um, f- and formulas in my life that the Israelites had. Um, I have, you know, I have to put forward my own uh motivation to uh, get up every morning, read my Bible and spend some time in prayer and ask God what he wants. And uh, thankfully we have his word that guides us into his truth and and his will. Um, But we have a lot uh, of um, interpretation that goes into that. And the Holy Spirit gives us wisdom, insight and understanding as to how those things um, pertain uh, and apply to our own life. Um, but, um, this is, this is something that is, uh, easily, um, misrepresented and can go, uh, astray in, in a lot of people's lives. You see Christianity, um, being misrepresented all the time. Uh, people who take for granted, uh, any sense of obedience or who are legalistic, um, and they think that, you know, they are saved or righteous by their own work. Um, and, and so we, we are always having to rely heavily on grace, and we're always um, called to obedience. And so those two things are working together in our life to create um, a holiness um, in us that uh, allows us to have a constant personal relationship with God. And so I would encourage you, uh, go back and, and read Leviticus um, and uh, pull, you know, out of it this uh, 
understanding of how holy God is, what he desires uh, for your life, um, and, and the fact that uh, we can give God thanks and praise uh, that uh, the standard was completely met um, and fulfilled by Jesus on the cross. And so uh, Leviticus um, is uh, your Bible, uh, book by book. 